1: What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. I'm Bob Wankel with Anthony Sanfilippo. And Anthony, we are recording here on Monday morning. Phillies win the NL wildcard series over the Cardinals, two games to none. And they now take on the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS. And I think after we recorded uh, following game one, the miraculous come from behind win in the ninth inning, we sat here and talked about how the Phillies probably needed to win game two in order to get it done. And if you would have told me that Aaron Nola would have gone out and pitched brilliantly, I probably would not have been as receptive uh, to that notion uh, as you certainly have been. So I do (laughs) applaud you for Correctly forecasting Aaron Nola's ascension into becoming a big game pitcher and putting the Phillies into the NLDS—a uh, heck of a game and a real nail biter. Phillies made that game a lot more difficult than it probably needed to be, but we are talking this morning no less. So, welcome in. And uh, what are you thinking here? What's the major takeaway following that series win over the Cardinals?
0: Well, that's a great—that's a great thing for this group. Um, you, you know, the one thing, Bobby, you, you watch this team. They really do seem, and you, you wrote a story about it back in August, and I know it kind of started to look a little bit at the times in September like maybe you were wrong, but you weren't. The team is tough. They are resilient. They find a way. They they do things that are a little bit more traditional. I and mean, it's what I like about the Phillies. is that they, you know, They're willing to try and do things to win games the way we were brought up on baseball. And I know that that sounds, you know, like like an old man sitting there telling you that like yeah, our version of baseball is better than those newfangled kids today. But the fact of the matter is, is that when the chips are down, when push comes to shove, when you're in a three-game series, you can't bank on analytical data because it's too small of a sample of a game that you're playing. So you're better off going with what has been tried and true and works best in the sport. I saw the Padres do it to the Mets a couple of times. The same concept, the same thing. Bunt runner, Juan Soto bunting, for example. Manny Machado taking a pitch and just hitting a single the other way to drive in two runs rather than go for the big home run. It's those kinds of things, and the Phillies do it a lot too. They they bunt, they steal bases, they try and manufacture runs. It's things like that that's going to win in the postseason. And I'm not saying that that's gonna, they're going to beat the Braves because of that. This is a whole other challenge. It's a whole other level. But there's a lot to like. And then you see them celebrating together on the field and in the clubhouse. And this team is feeling it right now. They believe in themselves. And belief in baseball especially is another thing that can carry you even a little further when you're probably not good enough.
1: Yeah, it's one of the really interesting things that kind of came out of this weekend. You know, the, they won uh, against the Astros last Monday night, and you see the the post, post-game celebration in the clubhouse, and you you know, like, they're obviously excited. They They finally get the monkey off their back, so to speak. But you're watching the celebration, and you're like, okay, like, we'll see. Like, it almost had, like, a little bit of a – I don't want to say it felt like forced or anything like that. And I think they should have celebrated. I'm not one of those people that thinks it's weird that they celebrate, but I was just kind of like, all right, we'll see. You know? And I guess what I'm saying is that Saturday night watching them celebrate, it just had a totally different vibe. It felt like we got something special. Now there was like almost an air of uncertainty following Monday night. Hey, Hey, we got in. That's great. Good for us. But this felt like, Hey, Atlanta, we're coming for you. Yeah, like we we believe right now, like we can do this. And what's scary is following these two games is that you kind of feel like they're not hitting on all cylinders. Brian Snicker uh, had a post game, or I'm sorry, a pre game, uh, session with media members uh, Monday morning. Todd Zelecki actually just tweeted this out uh, as we record here Monday morning, but he was like, "This Phillies team is is really healthy now. They're they're firing on all cylinders." And I actually disagree with that entirely. Uh, the Phillies have a a group of hitters right now that, that really aren't doing a whole lot. Now, Bryce Harper comes up with a massive home run on Saturday night. And you kind of hope that that spurs him rolling into this Atlanta series. But you look at a guy like Reese Hoskins, uh, he was dismal in in this, in this little two game set and small sample size. And he has plenty of time to, to kind of right the wrong and join the party. Kyle Schwarber didn't swing the bat the way that you, you really want him to. Uh, Nick Castellanos didn't swing the bat like terribly well in, in those two games. So you kind of feel like this is a team built on offensive punch that didn't really bring it in either of those games. And so if the Phillies can find that gear, and postseason baseball is tough, the pitching's better, the pressure's higher. Like we all we all understand that, that like most NLT or most major league teams aren't going to come out and drop ten spot, you know, in a postseason game but you do feel like there's a little bit something more to be had from this offense and if they can find it, then things get really interesting.
0: They, they do. And they really do. And, and that's if the Phillies are going to beat the Braves, Bob, as I've sat here, breaking it down you know, yesterday into this morning, that's where it's going to have to come from. Um, because we'll, and we're going to look at here, we'll look at the pitching matchups and, and everything else, but, You know, the Phillies were able to beat the Cardinals in two games on the backs of their two aces and not having to rely much on the bullpen. Um, That's not to take anything away from, you know, the the solid inning that David Robertson had. And Sir Anthony Dominguez's uh, striking out of of Goldschmidt and, and, and Arenado was huge in game two with two runners on base. I mean those were two big innings that allowed the Phillies, one allowed them to come back in game one and the other one allowed them to preserve the lead in game two. Um, So the bullpen, you know, did its part in a sense. But they only had to go to those guys for four innings worth of work, right? A little over four innings worth of work. In this series, I think it's going to be a a lot more. Um, If you're going to take the Braves five games, you're going to have to do three of them without Wheeler and Nola or mostly a third without, you know, I guess game five all hands. They They can technically come back. Throw a couple innings or whatever, but I mean, for the most part, you're going to have to do it for three games without those two guys, which makes Ranger Suarez puts him, you know, square into the, uh, into the, into the um, spotlight here because he's going to get two starts, um, and you know, I want to talk about him at, at length, but at the same time, you know, who throws game four for you as well? I mean, that's another issue. So there's there's some the Phillies don't have the luxury of just. Let's rely on our two aces this time and see what happens. Um, they're going to pitch and they're going to get an opportunity, which makes game one huge for the – a lot of pressure on the Braves in game one because if you get down one nothing, and then you're standing right down on the barrel of, of, of Wheeler Nola, that's a, that's a problem. But, I, but at the same time, beyond that, it, it has to favor Atlanta and, and it, other people are going to have to step up for the Phillies.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, game one is really, really um, probably it's more important for Atlanta than it is. It is for the Phillies. Uh, If the Phillies can win game one and and steal that from the Braves, uh, then things get very interesting because then you are back in a position of power where you can throw ultra confident and just a damn good Zach Wheeler and and back him up with Aaron Nola, who right now, after the two starts that he's had, I think that, you know, not only is it important for when we look at the importance of this game for Aaron Nola, like it's yeah, it kills the the storyline that he's not a big game picture or that he can't do it, but that's all just noise. I think that there has to be something for Aaron Nola internally that says I have, I've have slayed that dragon. Like I've always believed in myself, or maybe he had some doubt. Maybe he did have some self doubt, but that win and that performance for him, I think you just come into this, this Atlanta game. Now, and I guess game three, it'll be with a clear mind. And you just know, like, I can do it. Now, does that mean he's going to go out and, and shove for seven, eight innings again? No. But I think that from a mental standpoint, like you could not be in a better place than Aaron Nola currently is now um,
0: ahead of this series. And
1: you talk and about. That, ring-
0: oh, well, not on. only that, not only that, Bob, put it, put it, pers- put it, this into perspective with it. Nola's next, next start will be in front of an insane fan base who's been waiting 11 years for a playoff home game that these guys went on a 15 game road trip or 14 game road trip, basically, and provided for them. That place is going to be nuts on Friday night. I mean, isn't it's- it
1: wild? Isn't it wild what has transpired since September 25th? The yeah. last time the Phillies were at home and lost a miserable game to this Braves team, no less, this very yeah. same Braves team. You could not have had a, a worse finish to the, the regular season at Citizens Bank Park than you did in that Sunday game. And you just think about what has now happened over the last, gee, I don't know, what's it been, 15 to 16 days here? You know, yeah. so it's it's just an amazing, amazing transformation. And I think that you saw a very lukewarm, mildly disinterested crowd that, that had no real belief. Well, when that team returns home – regardless of what happens in the first two games, because, you know, even if they lose the first two, you know, it's going to be sold out and you know, it's going to be a, what the hell, why not? Like, you know, let's just be fired up and see what happens and and see if we can force them back to Atlanta. Now they, they win one of these first two games. Holy hell, because now it's not going to be that, that defensive on your heels type of vibe, but it's going to be like, we fucking have these guys like, yep. let's let them. and it, yep. I mean, it will be, and the Braves are equipped to handle that. I'm not saying that, that that atmosphere is going to propel the Phillies forward. The Braves are equipped to handle that, but the atmosphere is going to be the atmosphere and it's going to be crazy. Now, and the thing that you look at in this matchup, like the Braves, I always talk about the odds. How do things shake out? I mean, listen, Braves are a substantial favorite and, and rightfully so the Phillies have not played particularly well at truest Park. Um, you know they're well rested. The Phillies really aren't supposed to be there. The Braves are the defending World Series champions. So minus one ninety right now, the Braves are to beat the Phillies in Game One. But the pitching matchup, Max Freed and Ranger Suarez. You know, I mean, I'm uh, sorry, is it Freed or is it right for for the Braves?
0: I, they haven't they announced it yet. I don't think they officially announced I mean, it. It's
1: Freed. It's Freed. Yeah, it is, it is I, freed. I assume it's free. I, I, yeah. I, I thought I saw Freed earlier. I just wanted to double check before I make myself sound like an okay. idiot, but. You know, so you look at Ranger Suarez against the Braves this year, and, I mean, he's faced them five times. So now you're in a situation where these teams are not strangers to one another. I mean, this is a – you see them almost 20 times in the regular season. You've seen the starting pitchers that are going in this series four or five times each. And so, so far right now coming into this game, Ranger Suarez five starts against the Braves, a 3-2-1 ERA, 28 innings pitched, 23 hits allowed, uh, holding Braves hitters to a two twenty-three average. Or I'm sorry, a 2.23 on base average. So he's done a pretty nice job against this Atlanta team, limiting big-time damage for the most part.
0: Well, let's, 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 I'm glad you brought that up, because I, I really kind of dove into the rangers Squires versus the Braves a little bit. And, um, yes, there were five starts. Yes, he only won one of the five. He was one and two, um, two no decisions. But if you, if you look at them, the first two starts, the first one was terrible. He got smoked by them back in May. And his second start wasn't great. It was one of those six innings, four earned runs. But the Phillies didn't hit. They lost 4-1 in that game. But it still wasn't, wasn't a great game by Suarez. Since then, he's basically shut down the Braves in his last three starts, including two in September, where he pitched really, really well against them. Um, so 1-0 and in his last three starts, two of them in September – one where he left them without, I think it was two hits, no runs. Um, and the other one, I think you have one run. Um, look, if you're getting that Ranger Suarez against Atlanta, who is as good of a lineup as they are, they're even better against left-handed pitching. Um, when you look at their splits on the year. But if you get that Ranger Suarez against them, well, then the Phillies, Phillies odds to me improve uh, on a, ch- a chance to win this series.
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and you kind of wonder, so you've, you, you faced this team uh, quite a bit. You faced them as recently as September, Ranger Suarez faced them as recently as September. And does that work in the Braves favor, having that familiarity or does it work in Ranger Suarez's favor that he knows, Hey, I've gone out and I've thrown the ball very, very well against this team very recently. And, and that's going to be one of the things, or is this just a talking point for you and I and, and shows like ours. And in reality, it just truly doesn't matter. Uh, well, Matt, or game one, Mets Padres. Like, yeah, uh, I,
0: I'd say I'd say that the one difference here is, is you know, as well as he pitched against them, the last, especially the last two games. Let's remember, there was no Ronald Acuna in those two games. He had, right. he had a little bit of a hamstring, I think it was, or some kind of uh, uh, injury that kept him out short term. He was available as a pinch hitter, but he couldn't. He wasn't playing. Um, he's, he's back, obviously, um, but Albie's isn't back, so there's no. You know, they're not going to have Ozzy Albie's back, so. Um, the, 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 I think that the Braves lineup is a little bit more top heavy right now than maybe it was earlier in the year. I mean, obviously, you know, you got Acuna and you got Riley and you got Swanson and Olson. The bottom of the lineup doesn't excite me as much. It really doesn't. Once you get past Olsen, I mean, I know William Contreras has kind of killed the Phillies a little bit this year, but I don't know. I mean, not a huge, huge fan there. Michael Harris has had a great year, but he didn't look good against the Phillies at all uh, in September. Robbie Grossman, Orlando Arcia. I mean, we're not talking about some top-level players here. We're talking about you know okay guys with the bottom of the lineup. So I think where the concern comes into play, and like again,
1: I guess we're stating the obvious here as you watch and, and you think about how these games are going to play out, but to me, if you're the Phillies, you, you have to get on the Braves early and, and you have yeah. to hit. I mean, because if you yeah. go into the late innings trailing and listen, Robinson, you know, it, the big spot the other night does really well. Maybe that kind of gives him a little confidence after a really tough final month of the season. Zach Eflin, I, I get, you know, got into some trouble, worked his way out of it. Like, you know, I guess you feel all right about him, but You start to play matchup in the seventh, eighth, ninth innings with the Braves, and they just have so many different weapons and so many different ways that they can match up with you that if they go in seven, eight, nine, you know, listen, I know the Phillies prevail late against a really good uh, St. Louis bullpen in in this wildcard series, but that's probably not a formula for success moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing, I mean, look, I, I don't like the Phillies against the Braves bullpen because they can match up. They throw three lefties out of that pen, or if not four. I mean, you got Minter, Matzik, I guess, um, Will Smith, I guess Dylan Lee. Yeah, they got four lefties in that pen. So like, they can, they can, you know, you can spread uh, uh, Harper and, and Schwarber apart all you want. They're gonna, if they want to get a lefty against either one of those guys, they're gonna get them. Okay. Um, and then you got other guys who are, are pretty good. Before you even get to Jansen, their closer, who's, who's awesome. But Colin McHugh's had a great year. <laughs> Um, even though he's 38 years old, Jesse Chavez is <laughs> a great here. Um th- so they got arms that they can that they can turn to um uh, in that bullpen. Uh Ray I almost forgot about him. Um so it's it's not what you you need to be ahead of the Braves. You can't you can't be chasing Atlanta. And that's that's the key, and that's why the lineup is so Utterly critical, and then of course the bullpen is critical in order to hold on to if you have a lead, even probably a slim one. Uh, you're probably not blowing them out, right? So it's, to me, the, the two most critical things are getting runs early, and then the bullpen finding a way to protect it. And not just the, not just your Alvarado's and, and Eflins, um, but guys, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna need an Andrew Bellotti in this series. You're gonna need. Connor Brogdon or Brad hand to give you a couple of innings in this series that are important innings and they're going to have to, they're going to have to come through. Otherwise. Yeah. That that's when, that's when things could go completely awry for the Phillies.
1: Do you think that the uh, five game series here, as opposed to a seven game series uh, helps the Phillies hurts the Phillies or is sort of immaterial to the outcome?
0: Uh, as it turns out, I think it hurts the Phillies slightly because if you had a seven-game series, you're getting four games from Wheeler and Nola, right? And and that's that can that alone can win you the series. In a five-game series, you're getting two, which does not win, cannot I mean does not in and of itself win you the series, right? So let's I mean let's let's look though further down the line. Obviously, we know we're getting Suarez one, Wheeler two, Nola three. Who's pitching game four, Bob? Yeah. It's a tough call for me. I, I don't know who I, where I would go with this.
1: So I think that you're you're going to see in game four a a piggyback type situation here. You know, you get into it and say like, are we going to start? Do you pair up like a Cinder guard, Falter tandem? Do you need Falter in a in a earlier game? Does does he get wiped off in games one through three at some point? I mean, there's a lot of different things that can play out. I, I would be stunned if it were anybody but falter in of like as to say like I think at this point there I know you can make an argument to utilize Zach Eflin as a, a potential opener because why not maybe maybe you do that but I think that what they're looking at in the back end of their bullpen like I think that the way that Zach Eflin was utilized in this short series was that a product of we don't trust the back end of our bullpen and we need another arm or was that well we don't think we need any help at the front of a game with with Nola and Wheeler going you know so what was the, was it a combination of different factors that determined how Zach Eflin was being deployed or did it speak to really just the instability in the back of the bullpen? Let's just say that they don't want to mess with that. Then you have Bailey Falter, you have Noah Syndergaard. I, I just don't see how Kyle Gibson factors in here. Kyle well, was, Gibson, he would be like a, your starter gets knocked out in the second inning and you're down six, nothing. There's Kyle Gibson.
0: Yeah, I was, I was surprised Gibson actually even made the, the, playoff roster ahead of Nick Nelson um, for the, for the very reason, not that Nick Nelson's anything special, but that Nick Nelson at least has been in that role. Right. You know, whereas Gibson has not. Um, So, I mean, that was the one surprise for me in the the opening round. Uh, I I think it's going to, I honestly think it's going to be Cindergaard in game four. I think that, and and I think I like your notion of maybe you can use Eflin there as well. Um, Early. In, in a, in earlier or in, in, the, in the game if necessary, because I, I have a feeling that they're going to they're look to Bailey Falter as a second lefty that they're going to have to need out of the pen. Right. Um, you know, he only threw one inning in the last game of the season. And to me, if they were planning on using him as a starter in the playoffs, they probably would have let him go a little bit longer. Right. I think him only going one inning was indicative of we're going to need him to help our bullpen in some way. And to be that second... Well, of course, they didn't know what Brad Hand's deal was, um, but even even with Hand active and healthy, I think Falter is a better second-lefty option than Hand at this point. Um, so maybe Brad Hand is isn't an, is an opener, right? Maybe he's a guy or a guy that you could throw for two innings early in a game in game four uh, if, if Sindergaard starts to go... Go to shit, um, but the fa- again, the fact that the, the Braves are not as good against right-handed pitching, it is going to be a game in Philly. You'll get a lot. Syndergaard will get a lot of support from the fan base, you know, in in that spot, especially if it's a if especially it's a game where they can win the win the series, right? Um, and so I think that I think that that's probably the guy, but I'm not certain. Like you said, I don't know how it's going to what they're going to match up with him as possibilities in that spot. I mean, didn't Baladi have a spot start this year? Did he have one of those early Did starts? Uh, yeah. Kind of, uh, earlier in the year. I mean, that, he's another possibility in that, in that role as well. So. So here's,
1: here's a question for you. I mean, we talk about the need, especially in game one. And I think really all we can do is, is look at game one right now and, You know, you have Max Fried on the other side of this. And we talked about how Ranger Suarez has performed against the the Braves this season. And then you kind of look and say, game by game, what has Max Fried done against this Phillies lineup? And unsurprisingly, he's been pretty good. Um, You know, you go back to May 24th, six innings, uh, two earned runs, uh, five hits allowed. Uh, You see him again on July 25th. He goes six innings, gives up nine hits in that game, three earned runs. So nothing crazy. uh, Six, four loss for the Braves in that one. Then he sees him again twice in September on the 16th and the 22nd of September back to back weeks. And first game, he goes six innings allows two earned runs, gives up a pair of homers in that game. And then he comes back on the uh, 22nd goes five innings allows one earned run. So the short of it is, is that you've kind of pencil him in anywhere between five to six innings against this lineup. And he's, he's likely to, at least based on the, the track record this season, give up anywhere between maybe one to three runs. So You know, there's nothing to suggest that he's gonna have some blow-up start with the Phillies are gonna be able to drop a seven pack on him or anything like that. But you know, is he absolutely untouchable? Lights out. It's kind of like similar to what I talked about against the Cardinals coming into that series. Max Reed's a damn good pitcher. He's a really good pitcher. But I just feel like okay, you know, like you can you can score three and, and take a lead into the seventh or eighth against this guy. I mean you know, and, I, and I, I guess maybe, like, is that discrediting what Max Freed is? I mean, I know he's good. I mean, I've, I've watched the man pitch a, a tons of times over the last couple of seasons. But I just don't look at this and go, like, oh, my God, this is an insurmountable obstacle. And I don't think you need to point to it's October, anything can happen to, to like, even talk yourself into it.
0: Yeah, no, and the one thing I can say, Bobby, you mentioned those games where he goes five or six innings against the Phillies. And the one thing I remember from every one of those starts or almost every one of those starts is the Phillies do a nice job of making him throw pitches.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like they, 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 they get him out of the game as fast as they can. Um, again, yeah, not- let
1: me just give you that real quick. In September, yeah. the two games, uh, the on the 22nd, he threw 107 pitches in five innings. He threw 110 pitches in six innings on the yeah. 16th. I mean, so, yeah, to your point, they, they absolutely do that.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's a good thing. Right. And so they're going to have to do that again. That's where our, you know, you don't want to, obviously you don't want to start to get into the bullpen and the matchups and stuff, but at the very least, if you could get freed out of the game, get a couple runs off him and, you know, and he's out in the fifth inning because you've worked a lot of pitches out of him, I consider it a success. I do because your pitching has got a master's so or be better than theirs. Right. So so if you get two runs and in five innings against Max Free, good, Ranger Suarez, you can't do you can't be any worse. You have to be that good or better. And that's just the way that's just the way it is if you're going to win this series. Everybody's gonna have to do their job and, and make sure it works.
1: Now, one thing I will say is that you are likely going to need production from the right side in this series. Mm -hmm. And then that draws you back to Reese Hoskins. And I just want to, I want to have this conversation here very quickly. So the Phillies lose, if you go back to the Washington series down in DC, they lose the first game of the double header in just absolutely embarrassing fashion. And I think that that was the point where we all said, either they are going to regroup and show that they actually have some metal or they're going to just collapse. And so that was like the line in the sand, sort of like, it's time to bear down. And here's what we've got from Reese Hoskins in the games following that blowout loss in game one. 0 for 4 in game two of that doubleheader. They won the game, but he was 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Um, I'm sorry, he was 1 for 4 with one strikeout in the game two. Sunday, they win 8-1, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Monday in the division cl- or the uh, playoff clincher against the Astros, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Now, I don't care about the Wednesday game. He was he was 0 for 3 with two strikeouts, but whatever. That was kind of like a, an exhibition. But then you go into this the St. Louis series, 0 for 5, two strikeouts on Friday, 0 for 4, the strikeout on Saturday. I mean. So you're talking about those those three games. Let's even just narrow it down to those three games the one Houston one where they clinch and then the two St. Louis games. Like with playoff like atmosphere, you're talking 0 for 13 with five strikeouts. I mean, you know, we can sit here and talk about what is Reese Hoskins? Is he valuable? Is he underappreciated? Is he is he kind of like a losing player? I I don't know. Like, because one good game can change all of this around. Aaron Nola in the last seven week or uh, seven days has completely changed the storyline surrounding him. Right. And, and Reese Hoskins is going to have at least three games in this Atlanta series to prove it differently, but like, come on, man, like it's time here, dude. And he gave them absolutely nothing in the, in the most important games here over the last seven days.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're right, Bobby. I mean, your, 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 your stats are, are spot on. I mean, you're not, you're not telling anybody anything that they that they aren't seeing with their own eyes. And, I mean, if you really want to include, go back even a little bit further, I mean, he so far, um, it, I think it's uh, six for 44, his last 44 uh, at-bats, six for 44. Um, it's not good enough. It just isn't. It's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The only thing that I can say to this is every time Reese Hoskins has had one of these god-awful stretches, and it's happened – Many times in his career, this is not abnormal for Reeves Hoskins, right? It's what frustrates a lot of people about him. But every time he's had one, when he comes out, as soon as he comes out of it, he's on fire. Right. And he's on fire for like a week or two weeks. If he could just get that kind of production, they could beat the Braves. He alone can, can lift this offense enough if he has one of his Reeves Hoskins hot streaks but it has to happen. You can't continue six for 44. This is usually about where it is. It's usually in that, you know, 50 plate appearance range where he's just, Oh my God, what the hell happened to Reese Hoskins felt completely off. night. I know we had that one that was over hundred plate appearances a couple of years ago. That was, it was God awful, but for the most part, they end up being in this 50 plate appearance kind of range and then he gets hot. So that's the only thing it's, there's no guarantee, but if it happens, it's huge. It, makes, right. so it know, makes the difference.
1: Yeah, I, I, and I, I don't want to – it comes down to so many different things. You, you have to protect leads if you get them. You certainly need good starting pitching. There's eight other guys in the lineup. And so I, I think it's, it would be wildly unfair to say, like, this series is going to come down to Reese Hoskins. But, like, just as a, as a talking point, I think when you consider the career arc, you know, some of the disappointments that have, that have happened up to this point, you know, he did not produce. He was really the the one guy t- to be perfectly honest with you. He was, and I think you actually tweeted this. It may have been you that tweeted it. You yes. know, some of these guys did not have great numbers in this series, but everyone sort of did something. They, they you know, even Nick Castellanos in the in the ninth inning on Friday, like there was an at bat that helped pass the baton and, and and help that thing kind of move. Like Reese Hoskins was the only guy in the entire lineup that you're like he he literally. he he did absolutely nothing. I mean, he made two outs in the ninth inning of that, that rally on Friday and backed it up with nothing on Saturday night. Again, it's two baseball games. Like this is not the NFL, right? Like I do think it's really important to note this. Like I need the listeners to understand. It's like, not like picking on a player here. It's only two baseball games. There's time here now for him because everyone else stepped up to kind of rewrite this thing, but I'm sorry. Like two games. I can say, all right, like shit happens. Five games, five plus games, you produce nothing. That's a different story. You know, like, fair or not. It, Max Scherzer. Nice year, dude. You, you, you choked Jacob de Yeah. You, you, they won his start, but he wasn't anything special. Like, I mean, he was, he was okay on Saturday night. Bassett, decent season, horrible in a huge spot. Mets hitters, 101 wins, right? Well, one hit last night, it choked. And that's just the reality of sports. It's the, That's the reality of the major league baseball postseason. It, it doesn't matter, you know, fair or not, small sample size or not. The lights are bright. You gotta, you gotta do it. So that's, that's where it's at with him. And, you know, the Phillies were, I believe two for two for 12 with runners in scoring position against the Cardinals. Like, here you go. Like bold, bold prediction here. The Phillies let the Cardinals off the hook so many times in that, that Saturday night game. And if, they had not won that game, we'd be talking about Bryce Harper's base running, horrendous instant replay usage, the inability to get runners zone from third base with less than two outs, and they survived that because because their pitching bailed them out. They're not going to survive that against a defending World Series champ. They're not going to survive it against the Atlanta Braves. You've got to cash in when there's opportunities to cash in.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Bob. This is a... And you know, I've been the most, maybe the most optimistic of anybody with the with Phillies the this year. I've been on it since the beginning. That there's This is a team that, in my mind, and I said it back in June with you, that can reach the NLCS. They can still reach the NLCS. They're three wins from it, right? They're three wins away from making me look like Nostradamus. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is, it's this is the hardest three wins that they're going to have to get all year. I'm not convinced that they can get them against Atlanta. But if they're going to, and, and, they, and they're capable of it, so this is it possible, it's possible. It's going to take their best five games, however you want three, four, five games, their best five games as a team that they've played this year. And that includes winning streaks of seven, nine games, whatever. This is going to have to be their best five games. Otherwise, they can't let they can't let the bullpen hurt them. They can't let inconsistency in the lineup hurt them. They can't let defensive mistakes hurt them. They can't let base running mistakes hurt them. They can't they – don't. there's no margin for that error.
1: Yeah, they, they have Atlanta. to play the cleanest baseball. A friend of mine yeah. asked me, like, dude, you know, what do you think? Like, can, can they win the series? I said, yeah, they can absolutely win the series. It's not going to require an act of God to beat the Atlanta Braves, right? Like, it, it's not going to require a miracle divine intervention – it is going to require them to do something that they've not really done a whole lot this season against really good teams, which is play consistently good baseball in all, in all ways. And, and that's, that's, what's got to happen. You can't fire on, you know, three out of four cylinders in this one. Like you're, you're right. going to have to, you're going to have to do it in all ways, play a rounded game and, and play it at least three times, you know, and they can do it. Um, and I, I look at it and I really do feel like, if you ask me to pick who's going to win this series, I mean, hell, last week we said that the Atlanta Braves, we both agreed, are going to win the World Series this year. And I don't really have any reason to back off of that. But one thing that we have not talked about, I mean, we we touched on the Phillies and believing and just the feel. And, like, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, this looks like a team that really is buying in and, and can and can smell it. But, you know, the Braves haven't played a meaningful game since – I guess the the beginning of last week against uh, the, the Marlins, right? They So they, they take care of business in the three games against the Mets. They do what they need to to secure the NL East. And they've been sitting around now for a handful of days watching this all unfold. And you know how this goes in the NFL too. That bye week, you win and you get the bye and you're watching someone else go out there and do it. You're watching someone else generate that momentum while you're kind of stagnant. We all know the advantages. You're at home, you can set up your... Uh, your rotation any way you want. You can take care of some, some bumps and bruises with with those few days off things that you don't usually get the luxury of doing, but you don't come in with momentum. And you know, it does that matter that does that X factor matter?
0: Well, let's, let's look at this, Bob, this brand new playoffs. And we talked about it before it came out. And we, we said that the playoff system that they put in place will favor wildcard teams. It just will three of the four, Series were won by the lower seed. Three of them went with two games, or two of the well, two of them went two games, and one went three games. So the 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 lower seeds just were, you know, and even in the other one, it took a fifteen inning one to nothing victory to eliminate the lower seed, right? And so, so it it really did not help. Ha- did not was no advantage to playing a three game series at home in the playoffs. None. And it's not an advantage in baseball because it's a sport that's played every day. It's not an advantage to have six days off before you play again against a team who just played games that matter. Right. It's not an advantage. So, like, I would not be surprised. You look at these four games on Tuesday. I wouldn't be surprised if at least two went to the road team, if not three. Like it would not surprise me if that. was yeah, the I mean, game. listen, you just you just wrapped
1: up the entire wild card round. I mean, home teams were three and six in in the yeah. wild card round. Yeah, yes, yeah. so that's that's not that's not an advantage in any way, shape, or form. I think sometimes we we overrate home field advantage and and that that element of this. And I think did you think last night that the Padres were going to win that game going in? Yes, I
0: did.
1: Yeah, so you've you've been out on the Mets from the jump. I just told myself I was like. I didn't bet on it. I was actually going to bet on it. I was like, I don't know. Like, because I don't think the Padres are particularly good. Yeah. Nor do you. I, I, I no. don't know you'd be very really critical of the Padres on this show. But I I thought to myself, I'm like, God, can they really blow this? And I knew all the pressure was on the Mets. And I knew they were seeing ghosts. And I had said, you know, going into that series, the Mets are going to win this series. There's just, I think they'll get bounced by the Dodgers, but there's no way they fold. But last night going into that game, I was like, they're fucked. And, you know, and they, they certainly were. I mean, they—they they, that was a straight-up choke job. Like, baseball, I think sometimes teams lose and you say, uh, you know, it's baseball. It wasn't a choke job. It's just the way things work. Philly's losing that game one nothing back in 2011 to the Cardinals. Is that a choke job that, that Raul Bañez, the ball didn't travel another two feet to give him a 3-1 lead? I don't know. I don't think so. Last night the Mets were so thoroughly dominated and so thoroughly outmatched, and then for Buck Showalter to to go out and, and do the thing to Musgrove and the, I mean the whole thing was just such an epic loser choke job, which we could talk about if you want. Well, that was going to be my that was going
0: to be my one last thing was to ask you about Buck Showalter making them touch uh, Joe uh, <laughs> Musgrove's ears. I mean
1: it's just. I mean, just amazing. You know, the thing I always appreciate with the Mets, like, you know, you don't want to sit here and point and laugh too much because your season could be over Friday night. And, you know, like what goes around comes around. But the Mets don't just lose. Like if the Phillies get swept by the Braves, here you go, that's disappointing. You know, we were hoping for a little bit more. But I think that the Phillies have validated their existence in the postseason at this point. The Mets, you know, not only do they waste a 101-win season – not only did they they collapse it against the Braves in that three-game series where they could have won the division and not even been subjected to that Padres series, but to watch Max Scherzer blow up, to watch to watch them get one hit, to, to watch Buck Showalter make a total ass out of himself, and then to watch the, the trumpets go off down 4 nothing for Edwin Diaz to enter a game. And, 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 he gives up a, and he gives up a
0: hit.
1: And then gives up a hit and makes it 6-0. I mean, the Mets just... You can always count on the Mets to make you feel better about your own ineptitude. What yeah. absolute shit show loser organization and credit to Steve Cohen. The guy cares. He spends money for what it's worth and, and all of those other things. But man, are the Mets just always going to Met? I
0: they're not going to look at anything this, like they are, like they do this year, next year. That team, you're talking about a team that's going to blow itself up a little bit and, and try yeah. and remake itself. Mets aren't going to be the Mets next year. Be a whole yeah, I mean, Pete
1: Alonso teams. said it after the game. He's like, it's not just that we lost. It's that this thing is going to get disbanded to some degree. I mean,
0: yeah,
1: there's there's a lot of change coming. I mean, do you expect Jacob DeGrom to be back in New York? I, I don't. I don't. I, don't. Uh, I guess Nemo's probably not long for the Mets following the yeah. season. You know, now that, that said, I'm sure that they're going to make some pretty significant moves. You, you know, like I think the Mets are going to come into next season and you're going to go, Mets look pretty good. You know, like they, they went out and spent some money. They brought in some pretty good players and you know, the type of the, the thing that happens and the one thing I'll feel sorry, I feel sorry about if you're like a, a legit Mets fan. And I have a couple friends that are huge Mets fans and I, I love them and I feel somewhat bad for them on a personal level. I don't like Mets fans at large, uh, but that's the type of season that does not allow you to enjoy the moment moving forward. You know, you, you, if there's some scenario next year where you are beating the Phillies again all over the yard and you, you're just crushing them and you sweep them and you have a walk off in the middle of August to put you up two games in the NL East and it's the Braves and Phillies sitting right behind you like you can't truly enjoy those moments next season because you're like I saw this before you know show me in October and that's a shame but th- that's that's exactly where the New York Mets are right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I, just, I know what the only thing I wanted to ask about was your thoughts on. On you know them checking on Musgrove, man, and that that was so embarrassing. And, and could you imagine asking an umpire to check his ears? Yeah. And, and and then the umpire has to ask Joe Musgrove, "Can I touch your ears?" like you know, you at that me? point in the
1: game, and and the, at the timing in which they did it too, you know, like nothing had been different all night. So you wait until the sixth to pull that stump because you know why? Because you know that there's nothing wrong. And I know everyone was looking at spin rates last night and velocity upticks and, oh, is it Vaseline? And as it was pointed out on Twitter a dozen times over by people that actually know what they're talking about, Vaseline does not increase spin rate. So, like, you knew that that substance really had nothing to do with any abnormality or any uptick or deviation from the norm in in the way that the, the, the stack cast metrics were coming across on his pitches. And it was a move made out of desperation to disrupt the momentum of the pitcher. It was a move that was made to simply see if you could crack his psyche to, to just maybe throw him off a little bit and break his focus. That was the only thing that was. It was Bush League. And to credit Gary Cohen on the SNY post-game, I don't know if you saw this or not, but he said exactly that. If you're going to do that, and you're talking about a Mets broadcaster here. By the way, like I like Tom, I, I like Scott. They're great dudes. I could see maybe LA going in on something like that, but like for Gary Cohen to come in and say like, that was embarrassing. And if you're going to do it, you better be right. I credit him, man. Like that yeah. needs to be said. And you know, working for the team's broadcast booth, I'm surprised he said it. Yeah,
0: no, it's good for good for him. Good for him. It was, it was one of the most embarrassing things. You know, I know that there's gamesmanship in, in sports and, and you pull it out from time to time and, you know, sometimes you pull it out in the playoffs because that's when it matters the most. And like you said, you're trying to get inside inside the guy's head and, you know, maybe, he, you know, you throw him off a bit. But being the, if you were going to do that, like if you were going to pull that out, I wouldn't have done it when the team was down right. four runs in the sixth inning. I would have done it early. I would have done it first or second inning. Throw you want to throw the guy off his game? Do it at the beginning of the game. Then let him think about it all oh, the whole time he's pitching. Yeah. Not with a not when he's pitching with a four run lead, and he's only going to throw maybe another inning. Right. I mean, it, what, what you know? What what are you doing there? I mean, the timing of it to me was which was was even more embarrassing. So we can we can always argue about like Twitter and
1: social media. Is it good? Is it bad? Nights like last night though. What a beautiful, beautiful place it is. I mean, just the memes. Like, I, I consider myself to be a, a somewhat creative person <laughs> watching just meme after meme roll through. And, I mean, just hilarious to watch that meltdown and, and people just pounce on it. Everyone was just ready to absolutely pounce on the Mets' misery there last night. So, that's something. And one other thing I want to talk about just from a, a broadcast media standpoint, let's talk a little bit about game times here. You know, I put out a tweet last night which is, it resonated with most fans. Some people were like, back when men were men, all, all postseason was played in the daytime. Get over it, snowflake. And I'm like, all right, man, like, that's great. I don't want to be one of these guys that's like, what about the children, you know? But I don't know. Like, is there really enough upside for Major League Baseball and these broadcast networks to stagger these games out the way that they do? I'm fortunate. I'll be able to watch a 1 p.m. Tuesday Phillies postseason game. I would imagine a lot of fans won't, and that kind of sucks. You know, like the NHL, man. Like they're not playing the games at one o'clock on a Tuesday in the postseason. And you know, I don't want to hear, well, you know, take off, pull a kid out of school, figure it out, streaming services. I don't know. I just feel like that these they have to find a way to to either just say we're going to run these games simultaneously. Or tighten up the tighten up the overlap window and just say, you know, we're going to stagger it an hour apart. There's no reason to play a major league postseason game with eight teams left at 1 p.m. on a weekday afternoon.
0: So here's where baseball got itself into a little bind, Bob. This was this ties into the whole re- rejiggered playoff format. They didn't want to give any one team an inherent advantage by starting a day later than another team. They just didn't want to do it. Okay the solution really would have been to stagger the wild cards. If you stagger the wild cards, you're still giving the same amount of time before each division series starts. And then you can just play two a day Two in they're alternating days, whatever, or, whatever. So, or game two would be the day when you have all four playing, right? Cause game one would have started, whatever the case might be. So you could have done it that way too. You don't need to start them in the afternoon at one o'clock in the afternoon. And I get it. Like, people are going to sit there and say, you don't want kids staying up, you know, until past midnight watching the game. They, they can't, you know, they got to go to bed, got to go to school. I get that, too. And I know that it's a little bit different because you have the Dodgers now playing the Padres. So you have two West Coast teams playing China, Mariners are playing Houston. Adoles and the Yankees
1: are always going to get that preferential treatment. And- Yankees are going to get my car. Right. I get but you
0: that. don't have to start it at one o'clock. Right. You can do a late afternoon start. Like, the 4.30 one doesn't bother me so much. It doesn't bother. It's the end of the workday. It's after school. Like, you can sneak out of work an hour early to go catch the Phillies game on TV, right? Yeah. Kids are home from school by that point. They can watch the game on TV. So, 4.30 doesn't bother me so much. But is it that important to have every game separated by three hours? I mean, the night ones aren't. The Yankees are 7.30, and the, and the Dodgers are 9.30. Yeah, so in so what world is- could you not run
1: 3.30, 4.30? And, I mean, like, what audience is yeah. – what, what percentage of baseball fans? Like, we're baseball guys. We love baseball. You can not me to watch, like, a Sunday night baseball game, you know, and yeah. MLB Network. I don't need to watch four days of – or four games of, of postseason baseball back-to-back and then no. four-to-back-to-back at night. Like I don't I don't desire that. This isn't the NFL. Like,
0: come on. Well, let dude. me ask you, let me ask you that question. That's, that's a good question. Last night, did you watch Padre's Mets or Ravens Bengals? I was back
1: and forth like hard the entire night. Martin? I actually have a setup where I can I can watch both games at once down in my basement. But I was watching with my wife upstairs. Uh and I was just back and forth. But I actually was watching a lot of Padres Mets, whereas usually I'd be like, Burrow Jackson. I'm dialed in, but I was actually quite in on Mets uh Mets Padres. I, I watched
0: more of Mets Padres.
1: Probably because it was the Mets though, and watching the Mets demise. If that were if that were Tampa Bay uh Cleveland in a game three, I probably I probably would have checked in, but I probably would not have been as like
0: I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It was more well it's more of, you know, it's yeah, it's the Mets, but it's also this is a potential future opponent for the Phillies. Right. You know, I mean, there's more interest in that regard. I think that's probably why I did, and it was an AFC game. And, you know, not that, not that I don't like watching the AFC. I'm just saying, you know, if you're if you're a follower, if you're an Eagles follower, in my case, you know, we Niners, whatever, you're more interested in the NFC than you are the AFC. Um, And so, therefore, you, you know, if it was an NFC game, probably would have been more. It was if it was Cowboys. Let's say Cowboys Rams was in that spot, as opposed to Ravens Bengals. Then I'm probably flipping a little bit more frequently, right? You know, in, in that regard. But now, yeah, I I I was more in on the Padres Mets. I certainly was for sure. Well, that was your one
1: last thing, Mets talk, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. All right. Okay. We we did we covered it. So yeah. unless you have anything else to hit on, I think we could probably wrap there. Well, Bob, it's
0: you gonna make a prediction?
1: Yeah, I am. I uh. I think that the Phillies are going to get one in Atlanta. I don't know which one. I'll, I'll probably say game two. Um, and I think that this thing goes the distance. I, I do. But I, I do think uh, Atlanta wins the series. Yeah. If,
0: that's,
1: that's it. That's where I'm at. Five games, Atlanta wins it.
0: That's, and that's, I'm the same way. And here's the thing. I honestly think the Phillies are going to be up 2-1 in this series. Yeah,
1: so do I. So. And, lo- and then
0: lose it in five.
1: So do I. <laughs> Yeah, I think that they, I think they're going to lose game one. I think that Wheeler is going to win game two. Nola wins game three. Like, I think you're going to come out of this feeling pretty good about the Phillies next year saying, wow, they have two guys at the top of this rotation that can really pitch in big time games. They just need it a little bit more. And I wouldn't be surprised if a talking point at the end of this series is should have went in a little harder at the deadline than Noah Sindergaard. We'll say, I'm hoping that's not what we're talking about, but that could be the difference.
0: Could be, could well be the difference.
1: So uh, unfortunately, I thought we were pretty optimistic for 50 minutes of this entire podcast here, but then we come in with a "should have did more at the deadline," and the Phillies are going to break. Well, I mean, apart.
0: look, I hope we're wrong.
1: Yeah.
0: If we look, if we haven't gone to Game Five of the NLDS against the defending world champs and losing that and losing a Game Five in that instance, yeah. you can't kill them for this year, right? Because that's a that's a good run. It's a good run. But if you're also going to that Game Five, that means you have a chance to win it. So, I mean, it's it's not that it's not that negative. It's just us trying to be and I'll give them objective. Minute,
1: because I know me, and I know you, if they do get through this series, if it's San Diego, or if it's L.A., you got them going to the World Series. I know I, that. Well, I thought that –
0: you know me, my whole thing was the only team that I thought in the National League I did not like them against was the Braves. I lo- if this was the Dodgers in this round, I'd pick the Phillies. Wow. I picked the Phillies against the Dodgers in this round. Just saying. All and right. So well, the Braves were the, the Braves were the weakness for me. I did not want to see them play the Braves in the playoffs. Yeah.
1: Well, as a as a programming note, I kind of know the the ebb and flow here. We're talking about a a game one that'll be played in the afternoon. You'll have to write post game a little bit. I'm actually going to jump back into the uh, the blog game a little bit on Crossing Broad this week as well. But I would imagine with the day came following on Wednesday for game two, we probably will not record after game one. We will record after game two uh, mm-hmm. during that off day, setting up the, the back end of this series. So uh, expect to hear from us again on Thursday. Uh, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, I actually noticed in, uh, on Spotify we got a, a nasty gram. We got a, you know, you guys during the collapse bailed. And it's a good show, something along the lines of like, good show, but like, I'm not going to be fooled again by you guys. So we already made our apology in our last podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize again.
0: We're I bad. know how people think we bailed because they, they stink or they were yeah, stinking. We
1: bailed because the Philly started to collapse. No, quite honestly, you mi- we missed some really good content and talking points there. I would yeah. have been electric during that slide. It's just that, you know, the job that keeps my uh, my bills paid. Uh, pretty much prohibited me from doing this. So we're back. We're, we're doing it. We'll talk to you on Thursday. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys the games. You've waited a very long time for it. So enjoy the moment.